0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 618 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes the not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is Monster Kid Radio, and I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, sitting in an empty office. So if the sound quality sounds a little different, that is why uh, this nearly empty office is at a nearly empty apartment. Not as empty as I'd like. I still have a little bit of work to do here, but man... We are near the end of the move. We are not nearly as far along as I'd like with the settling in in the new place. But, you know, the move is happening. And uh, actually, I moved my microphone to the house but left the computer at the apartment. So I'm recording on my portable recorder right now as well. So again, audio quality might be a little bit different. But the content quality is still there because, once again, Steve Turk is here to uh, just kind of Fill in for me, and dude is making Monster Kid Radio his second home. He's been knocking it out of the park with the Diecast Movie Podcast and Hammerama and all of that. And, you know, he is going out of his way to make sure the Monster Kid Radio has content, and I appreciate him so much for it. This time around, he is joined by Monster Kid Radio Irregular Dominique Lamsey's friend of the show, author, Monster Kid, monster lover, And a fan of the movie The Ghosts of Hanley House, which is a movie that we're going to be talking about this week on the show. I say we. Really, Steve and Dominique are going to be talking about it. And, of course, it wouldn't be an episode of Monster Kid Radio without Mark Maskey's Beta Capsule Review and Kenny's look at famous monsters of film land. So, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and stop talking. We're going to get into the rest of the episode. And then I'm going to come back at the end, as always, to kind of wrap up and kind of fill you in about what's happening with MKR in the future. So here we go.
1: One never knows what lurks in the chamber of horrors.
2: The beast loomed over her. It grinned down at Nina, fangs dripping, clouds of hot breath billowing white in the moonlight. Its eyes blazed bright red. Nina felt the heat of the thing's body burning into her. Its reek like decaying meat made her wretch. She wanted to get to her feet, wanted to run, but fear held her tight in its grip. She gazed up at the monster, paralyzed. A low growl like the purr of a hungry cat emanated from the creature's massive throat. To Nina, the werewolf almost seemed to be smiling. She screamed. Opal Cushing, London, England, that same night. Opal Celine Cushing sat bolt upright in bed, screaming. Her eyes shot wide, her heart pounded in terror. Sweat poured down her 18-year-old body. She looked around, frantic. Her sister, who shared the same bed, appeared beside her in an instant. What is it? Topaz asked. Opal, what's wrong? He killed me, Opal wailed. He killed me! I'm dead! Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors, a
1: classic Monster Alley novel by Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now at Amazon and
3: other fine retailers. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Return of Ultraman, Episode 12, Revenge of Monster Sugaron. air date, June 18th, 1971. After interrupting a monster attack team training exercise, a gang of dirt bikers harasses a young woman, chasing her to a suspension bridge. Just before things get ugly, the mountainside gives way and a giant monster emerges. MAT rushes to the scene and learns the story of Shizuka, the woman who lives alone in the forest. Go is charged with locating her, which he does, but she refuses to evacuate. That night, Monster Shuguran destroys the bypass bridge, and Go tracks Shizuka to a cabin filled with paintings by the artist Ushiyama. Shizuka is the artist's daughter, and most of the paintings are portraits of her. She then tells Go why she and her father made their home in the valley, remembering a time when Shugaran was peaceful. That's no longer the case, however. The monster attacks, setting the cabin ablaze immolating Ushiyama's artwork which Shizuka rushes to save. Go transforms into Ultraman to battle Shugaran, but is it too late to save the legacy of this family? Revenge of Monster Sugaron is a study in contrasts, as beautiful as it is downbeat. The tension between nature and humanity is amplified from the opening sequence, in which Shizuka, who is releasing rabbits into the wild and gathering flowers, is menaced by men on motorcycles. In the epilogue, Hideki Go speculates about shugoron's rampage offering what amounts to a supernatural explanation, which is emotionally satisfying enough that Kishida says, it sounds outlandish, but he wants to believe it. Shugaron is a little too lumpy to be taken seriously as a threatening kaiju, but his introductory title card calls him Soundwave Monster Shugaron, which seems pretty cool. Although that ability is never explored in the episode itself. And speaking of Kaiju, the most lighthearted moment takes place in the MAT training scene as the team takes aim at cutout targets of Red King, Gomora, Jiris, Hydra, and Teleston, another in world nod to the original series. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting.
4: Monsters from Under the Sea, Atomic Frankensteins, and Grandpa Monster, too. Classic monster memorabilia vendors, movie and TV stars, signing autographed photos. It's all coming to the Marriott Pittsburgh North, June 16th through the 18th, 2023. It's Monster Bash! Fans who grew up with monster movies in the theater and on TV will descend on the Marriott Pittsburgh North hundreds and hundreds of fans don't you scare miss out as fans travel from all over the country to meet shop and enjoy classic monster entertainment coming to monster bash in June Audrey Dalton star of the monster that challenged the world and Boris Karloff's thriller TV shows Charlotte Austin who starred in Frankenstein 1970 with Karloff and Ed Wood's The Bride and the Beast Lynn Lugosi-Sparks, the granddaughter of Dracula himself, Bela Lugosi. Daniel Roebuck, star of countless films, TV's Matlock, and Grandpa Munster in the latest Munsters movie. Plus, he's a super fan and collector of classic monster memorabilia. Beverly Washburn, actress in Spider Baby with Lon Chaney Jr., Thriller, and Disney's Old Yeller. Tom Savini, actor, makeup man, special effects genius, with credits that include Creep Show, Tales from the Dark Side, The Black Phone, and so much more. Pamela Pierce, actress and daughter of the director that brought us The Legend of Boggy Creek. John Russo, co-writer and zombie from the original Knights of the Living Dead, The Origin of the Modern Zombie. And Ohio TV horror host legend, the one and only Son of Ghoul, still creeping to TV sets after all these years. Plus, Cleveland horror hosts Drac and Countess Corita. Monster Bash is wall-to-wall vendors and a giant horror hotel packed with classic monster movie fans. Don't miss out. Three-day VIP admission is $55 in advance or $60 at the door for all three packed days. Single-day admission at the door is $25. It's all at the Pittsburgh Marriott North, Friday through Sunday, June 16th through the 18th, 2023. Get your advanced membership admission online at creepyclassics.com. That's creepyclassics.com. More information is available at monsterbash.us or call 724-238-4317. It's Monster Bash.
1: Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're approaching our destination, Ambrose Castle. Famous portraits of the Ambrose family. Dungeons where prisoners were tortured. Also, if you're lucky, you may run into one of the ghosts, which are supposed to haunt the
2: castle. Were you serious about the ghosts here? Definitely. He was condemned to wander through Ambrose Castle until his head rejoined his body. There's only one way to find
1: out. How? Let's hide here. I hear something peculiar. Let's go back. Take another look at poor Malcolm along there,
4: sitting patiently without his head.
1: Don't, Tom, don't! You're making a dreadful mistake! Come on, let's get out of here! I forbid you to leave! I can't move! Listen to William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror.
3: Do you believe in ghosts? I do. And you will, too. When you come to this theater and see my picture, 13 Ghosts, uh, no more dictation today. When you see 13 Ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer like this, which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. It'll let you see all 13 of our weird, wonderful, and wildly assorted ghosts.
1: Now, brace yourself as we take you across the threshold of our haunted mansion where there's a ghost for everyone in the family. Father, mother, sister, brother. You'll be scared stiff too when you see what they see. 13 ghosts materializing in ectoplasmic color through the magic of Illusiono, the ghost viewer. The ghost of a lion in the basement. The ghost of a murderous cook in the kitchen.
2: Stop it! Stop it, I say!
1: The ghost who speaks through the lips of the living. Death tonight to one of you. Ah! The evil ghost in the bedroom, fighting to take possession of this beautiful girl. You'll feel all the thrills and chills of seeing one ghost multiplied by the magic number 13.
5: Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Film Land. Today, Steve Turek and his guest will be talking about The Ghosts of Hanley House, a film never mentioned in FM. But it wasn't because they are afraid of ghosts. From the beginning of FM's run, ghost movies have made an appearance in its haunted pages. FM3 had a very brief mention of the headless ghost. And FM8 previewed the William Castle classic, Thirteen Ghosts. Columbia has come up with a shocker to scare Whistler's mother off her rocker. Last year, you screamed your lungs out in fear when the tingler got loose in the theater, and you could actually feel it vibrating beneath your seat. Now, if you can take it, there's a greater thrill in store for you—the first film in phantoscope with illusiono, thirteen ghosts. To mastermind this macabre melodrama, Columbia commissioned the world-famous fearless medium, Madame Sylvania Trans to go to the house on Haunted Hill and obtain the services of William Castle. Madame Trans was never heard from again, but shortly thereafter, the Saturday Evening Ghost featured an article on the Karloffian Mr. Castle. They called him the master of movie horror. He once aspired to replace Lon Chaney as a horror actor. Instead, he became a number one horror producer. The fourth universal Frankenstein movie, The Ghost of Frankenstein, was a particular favorite with a film book in FM 48, which was reprinted in FM 85. In FM 49, a draft script was presented which had a different story from what we saw on the screen. Here is the brief intro from the film book. What happens when a man of many parts starts taking other people apart? Big Frankie thought Igor was his friend till he wanted to brainwash him with a big lie. You'll be haunted the rest of your life by the Ghost of Frankenstein if you live that long. And who can forget the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini from Monster World 10, also known as FM 79? We covered that during Monster Kid Radio number 543. 1981's Ghost Story merited a feature article in FM 181. Here is star John Houseman on the film. The novel Ghost Story is hideously complicated, and towards the end, Straub puts in everything but the kitchen stove. Because of the compelling nature of horror novels, you read on. But if you saw some of these things on the screen, you'd howl with laughter. By cutting some of the fairly loony elements of the book, I think we've made a picture which is considerably more literate and educated. In any case, we've used nothing disgusting like you find in The Exorcist, or The Omen, or Rosemary's Baby. This is an old-fashioned but classic story of evil that is finally able to pay retribution. Last but not least is a rarity I had not heard of. It does not have ghost in its title, but rather the lovely name of our guest. It caught my eye and it turned out to be a ghost story. Let's hear what FM 163 had to say about this 1978 thriller. Poor Dominique Ballard has a problem. Like the perplexed Miss Giddens in The Innocents or the terrified Susan Strasberg in Scream of Fear, Dominique sees ghostly apparitions. There, hanging the rafters of her conservatory she continues to see a hanging body a disturbing sight indeed but even the dangling corpse is only a minor nuisance when compared to the ghostly car accident that almost takes her life and then there are all those strange sounds those strange noises she hears about in the house add the fact that Dominique is a cripple and you have the complete picture of a confused and frightened woman to make matters worse Dominique isn't at all convinced that these events are hallucinations, brought on by her condition that crippled her body. Dominique suspects that it might be a plot, concocted by her husband David, to drive her mad. In the end, it all proves too much for Dominique, and she hangs herself. Following his wife's death, David hears Dominique's favorite piano piece played, waking him from his sleep. Dominique's ghostly vision is seen by her husband floating through hallways. Is David going mad? Is it guilt that is causing him to see these tormenting visions? Or has Dominique actually returned from the grave to seek her revenge? Or? Director Anderson considered Dominique an exciting challenge. These sorts of films are extremely tricky, Anderson said. Timing is absolutely crucial. You can spend all day shooting people coming in and going out of doors and it isn't until you get the film into the cutting rooms that you know if you have been successful. Thrillers are all atmosphere and mind play, but when they work, they are more satisfying than anything. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios.
4: Everyone loves a good ghost story. The thrill of a well-told tale. But when the story ends and you are alone, the images linger. You can sense them, hear them. You feel watched, followed. For there is no escape from your own imagination. Ghost Story. Rated R. Under-17. Not admitted without parent. We want you to meet Dominique. Dominique is dead. Dominique is Jean Simmons. Her husband is Cliff Robertson. But ever since her disfiguring accident, she's been haunted by bad dreams, strange noises, suspicions. Dominique is dead.
1: Suffer us not at our last hour. Her husband thinks so. After all, he buried her. Why, what are you looking for under a tombstone at broad daylight? Shh, you'll scare her away. Scare her away? Who, what? What, what? what can you scare away here in a cemetery? My ghoul friend. She's the ghost in the invisible bikini.
3: <coughs> what are you, putting me on?
1: Herbie, I know you're broad-minded, but this is ridiculous. No, I'm serious. And you should see her since she traded her bedsheet for a bikini. Well, you must enjoy looking around for a real nothing broad. It's really just that American International is inviting everyone out to the graveyard for a blood-curdling blast with the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini to see Tommy Kirk, Deborah Wally, Aaron Kincaid, Harvey Lembeck, and Jesse White with Nancy Sinatra and guest stars Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, and Susan Hart in the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini in Pathé Color and Panavision. Now you would have to get commercial. Now you scared her away. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monster
6: Kid Radio. And yes, Derek is coming back soon. He's in the middle of the move. He's gotten married, and congratulations, Derek. And I hope everything's going well for your Yes, congratulations. And I hope everything's going well (laughs) for your move. I'm not able to help you move this stuff because I'm on the other side of the country. So this way I'll help you, in a sense, being able to have the time to move. (laughs) It's a a less
7: packaging. I conveniently moved moved halfway across the country right before he moved. So, yeah, darn.
6: Otherwise, we'd be right there now, eating that pizza you were offering and helping you move those heavy things. But, darn, shucks, we're not there. And listeners, you've already heard her talk. I'm joined with Dominique Lamsey's, a a frequent guest host of Derek's that has come on there talking about different movies. How you doing?
7: I'm great.
6: How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're having a good time um, helping Derek out here, you know, get, get everything situated and that kind of stuff. And we're going to be talking about the movie in a minute, which is ghost of Hanley house from 1968, which I got to watch for the first time, but I believe you've seen it a few times before.
7: Many, many times.
6: But before we get to that, Dominique, I'm going to ask you a few questions and see if you know the answers to them. And these are questions you should know the answers to because they all pertain to you.
7: <laughs> oh, it's on now. I better not screw this up.
6: Well, I mean, and who's going to know if you're wrong except you? So, I mean, it's, it's going to be like in uh, <laughs> the um, Mighty Python and the Holy Grail where the guy gets to the bridge. What's your favorite color? Blue? No, well, ah, whatever. You know, I can't remember which
7: colors you said. <laughs> I but I do know what the capital of Atheria is.
6: I'm not asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> now we know you are a crafty person and you'd like to make lots of different things from a classic horror movie. What prop would you love to have your own personal spin on and make? Oh my goodness. That list, honestly
7: that, I have a pile of papers in my crafting room with this. Right now, um, my mind has been on Reptilicus. But every once in a while, I go back to the, the giant claw because that one would be really fun to make, but really hard to make.
6: Well, it's hard to get that handsome feature the giant claw. You know, I mean, you gotta.
7: Exactly exactly because if it's not as handsome as him there's no point in doing it
6: i love the giant claw and i and i still i still argue to this day to people that that was the first selfies that i ever know were done by the giant claw with the weather balloon when he showed the pictures <laughs> and he was like mugging for each shot i said i said those are the first selfies ever and i'm standing by it
7: <laughs> right i can't argue with that <laughs>
6: Just saying, but I'd I'd love to see your rendition of Reptilicus in the Giant Claw, particularly the Giant Claw. It's a flying battleship.
7: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to take, it's one of the things I have to work up to because the plans I have in my head require skills I don't have yet, but I'm getting there.
6: Well, you got to go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. You can do it. And if you can't do it, just, just fake it. You know, isn't it? they say fake it till you make it.
7: <laughs> well, it also, it's the giant claw. So if I don't make it, is anybody really going to notice?
6: I would. <laughs> if you told okay. me, if you, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you didn't show me, you know, whatever you're telling. But yeah, and, and I, it could be cool. Now, you also like to do costuming. We know you love different costumes and stuff like that. And um, going from, again, the classic horror type films or monster movies, what costume would you like to replicate?
7: This is an easy one. Um, Cause I actually have full intention of doing this. Um, as monster Bash 2025, mark my words, I am coming in a Phantom of the Opera red death gown. Cause that'll be the hundredth anniversary of the Silent Virgin. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do the red death as a gown.
6: That would be cool. And hopefully they'll have the wax figure of the phantom there and you can get your picture with it. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it now. I want to see that. I want to see that with the giant claw on your (laughs) shoulder.
7: (laughs) Oh man.
6: Okay. Challenge accepted. It's on. It's on like donkey Kong. We're on. That's right. (laughs) Now, I also know from talking to you in the past at Monster Bash and hearing you on Derek's show before, you have a love for gothic TV shows and movies. So what's one of your favorite gothic movies?
7: One of my favorite gothic movies. Oh, my God. That's like asking me to choose between my kids.
6: I said, just one of them. You know, I'm not asking you You know, to pick the, the absolute favorite. Just one of them. Mm. And by the way, I have three children, and I always tell them I, I do have a favorite. It rotates. It depends which ones annoyed me the least.
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? I'm actually going to go with the 1959 version. Um, of Yosia Kaidan, directed by Nobu Unasuzawa. Um which Yosia Kaidan is kind of the quintessential Japanese horror ghost story um, about a samurai who betrays his wife and her ghost, and she comes back and gets horrible, horrible, nasty revenge. Um, it's 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 a really good example of how universal Gothic themes are does the trappings be associated with kind of western the big castle, the lady in the nighty, but you know, the the concept translates.
6: I agree with you and I think a lot of times gothic people get stuck thinking certain things like you said, but it's also a mood an atmosphere is the way I look at it too, you know. So it's, it it does have the trappings of that time period, but also it can be it could be more modern or even earlier than what most people think of traditional gothic.
7: Mm-hmm,
6: absolutely now this one i think this one I think i might know the answer to it but i'm gonna okay. ask you it anyway to see, if, to see if I'm if i'm if my insides are right what star would you love to meet that's from you know like either TV or movies from the classic times
7: yes i what? Peter Cushing.
6: Peter Cushing. Ooh. But which one? Oh, no, I'm going to change it a little bit. That's still alive.
7: Okay. Oh, he's still alive. Yes. Oh my goodness, he's still alive. Actually, Laura Parker. Yes. From Dark <laughs>
6: <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. People could yeah, see it, but I was doing right. my, I was doing my happy dance. <laughs> <laughs> I could see. I was like,
7: I, was like, I grew up with wait, Angelique as my hero. I was like 11 years old. Like I want to be the evil witch. So yeah.
6: <laughs> I've i have known this about you. Cause you've said this before. Many times I was like, if it if the one person, if, if this one person ever showed up at monster Bash, Laura Parker, she would, you'd be camping at, you'd be sitting next to her table. You'd be, Probably you'd be you'd be a little too close. You'd be one of those people. he's like we got you know you got to give other people time.
7: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Security would have to escort me away, and yeah. <laughs> well, you might not be that way
6: the first two days. It'd be the last day when you know it's the last day. It's like no,
7: no, I can't leave. <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> not that I would blame you. You know, it's,
7: honestly, it's... I would actually probably I would actually probably cry. I cried in front of Barbara Steele. I would probably cry in front of Laura Parker too. <laughs> so
6: but I knew it. I was like, if, if it's not Laura Parker, then I don't know what in the world, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's like, you, you, I think you'd been body snatched. <laughs> You're a pod person. That's safe.
7: That's safe. Yeah.
6: Now I, I asked this question to Ansel in the last episode, and I thought this is a good one. I think I might keep in the future asking people. If, I, if uh-huh. they dare cast me back to keep helping him out for his shows. Um, what is a movie that a lot of people consider bad? But you know it. You know, Dominique, deep down, this is a good movie. Oh,
7: my goodness. Oh, see, this is another tough one. Deep
6: down, it's good. That You think it's, do you know deep down in your mind, in your soul, it's good. But the general consensus is, people thought it was bad.
7: I know there's examples, but I'm drawing. Well, okay. In then, okay, doesn't have to be a classic one because the first one that jumped to mind isn't actually a classic. Just whatever movie you want. The resident evil movies.
6: Oh, the resident evil. All because of them resident are just, are the, you- or just the first one.
7: Actually, I would go with the first five. The okay. sixth one, I, I even I didn't really like. But the, those are one of those movies where I'm like, okay, you guys realize this is real. This is happening. Umbrellas actually exist. This is a thing. And everybody's like, no, it's stupid. It's trash. I'm like, no, no, this movie is like real. <laughs> Resident Evil is really scary when you think about it that way. Cause, yeah, they're, they're real, guys.
6: Now I thought your Sorry, answer was here. I thought your answer was going to be different. I thought it was going to be a segue <laughs> into our movie.
7: <laughs> it almost was, actually. I almost said that, but
6: <laughs> Yeah, I thought I was I thought I was throwing you a, a nice softball question and then you know you took it a different direction. But you you never know. That's the good part about asking a question oh. you that you don't really know what the answer is going to be to. <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah, sorry,
6: I don't take it's very well. <laughs> oh no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's so you. <laughs> <laughs> now the movie we the, the movie that we're doing. And it's the first time I think Monster Kid Radio has ever done this movie. So we, we're five for five in covering movies that have not been covered in Monster Kid Radio in these episodes. I feel I feel rather good about that. It's like yes, <laughs> we're hitting we're hitting new territory. <laughs> Ghost of Hanley House from 1968. It's available for people to watch streaming on Tubi and a lot of other services. So you can go out there and watch it, listeners. And you can come back to listen to us or you can listen to this and then go watch it. Dominique, you picked this movie. Why did you pick the
7: movie? Yes, I did. <laughs> so, again, see this is a question that the, the supposed softball. You love me. Um, this I love this movie. I love this movie, but I honestly and can't I can't in good conscience say that it's good because it's really not. But it's as a goth. This this movie is like gothic empty calories. There's all the atmosphere, all that good gossy, pretty stuff with no real substance. Um, I feel like the um, Louis Shirell, or Louise Perkins, as she's really known, who made this movie was she was a fan. She loved this stuff. She just kind of didn't really have any talent for it. Very Ed Wood. You, 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 the earnestness is there. The heart is there you just don't quite have what it takes to make it translate into a movie. That's that's the main reason why I love this movie.
6: And I I can see what you're saying, because it was my first time watching it the other day, and I have to be honest, the first thing I was thinking is like, what did Dominique throw me to watch? (laughs) It's like, because it, it, it takes... A long time to get anywhere. (laughs) There's nothing. Yes, it does. This is is like a a Lord of the Rings reference. An Ent doing a movie. Let's not be hasty. (laughs)
7: Exactly. Exactly. The movie is like an hour and a half. And the plot is approximately
6: two paragraphs long this easily could have been a movie that was 20 30 minutes <laughs> easily <laughs> a, a Twilight Zone episode you know I mean it would have it would have fit perfect in that 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 ballpark and yep and there's a lot of good things with it um you know so mm-hmm. so but it was just you can tell was this when I looked her, when I looked her up, this is the first and only thing she ever directed.
7: Yeah.
6: Yeah. So. And wrote. And wrote. So you could tell you have an inexperienced, I'm assuming, you know, an inexperienced writer. Cause you never know. She might've directed theater. She might've wrote, you know, other screenplays that never got picked up or might've wrote theatrical work. I'm not sure. You know, so it's always hard to, I don't want to say this is the only thing they ever did directing wise when there could have been other things that were done that we're just not privy to because of time and other things. I mean, there could have been other film work that just never got anywhere that we are not knowledgeable of. So I don't want to, this could be the first work. It's the only work we know of. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, but it it was just, there's, there are parts in there are good and there's unique sound effects, editing choices. (laughs) Okay, I want to ask so, you about that.
7: <laughs> this is where we get into the nerdy part here. There are actually three different versions of this movie. The one that's available on YouTube um, and the one that Alpha Video sells is um, they called it's called the uh, remastered edition, which means someone at some point took the movie and added in those really obnoxious. sound effects. Those were not in the original.
6: Oh, really?
7: Yes. So, because you can, if you watch the movie, you can tell because the sound effects are always badly placed and they always sound, they sound new and they just sound cheesy.
6: And the cast isn't reacting to them at all.
7: Exactly. Um, There's also um, like some of the lightning shots and the scenes of the guy in the hat watching—I think in the original there's like one shot of that at the end. All the other ones were added into this version. You can get the original version from Something Weird Video and Sinister Cinema. Um, that one is my favorite. Um, the one that you see on YouTube—it's kind of—it it feels almost like ironic watching, like someone just went through and said, "Oh, this is silly. I'm going to put something sillier into." Um, there is also oddly a 50th anniversary edition that came out um in twenty seventeen that was made was called Blue Pines Publishing or something like that. It's extremely hard to find. Um, I actually tried to purchase it from the people who made it and they ghosted me and tried to take my money. Um, and I haven't been able to find it since. But apparently they cut some stuff and rearranged some stuff so that the plot made more sense. But I I read one review of somebody who apparently saw it, but there's no other place that it existed.
6: Yeah, I did see that there was a that 50th anniversary thing, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was just like, well, you you told me it's on Tubi, so I watched the one on Tubi. You know, I figured that's the one that you wreck. You know, that you you said watch it there. That's why I watched it, and. You know, but I mean, there there, there are some negatives with the film, but there's some positives with it that I liked. And before we talk about those positives and negatives, why don't you give people a synopsis of the movie, which shouldn't take long. (laughs) (laughs)
7: Um, Yeah, it's not going to take that long. Um, Basically, it starts with two guys in a bar and they bet each other's cards over whether or not a guy will stay in a haunted house overnight. And it's like a brand new Ferrari against the ratty old MG. So total machismo moment. But they go into this house. Um, One's a skeptic, one's a believer. Um, And they invite some other people over because the skeptic just doesn't want to be stuck in a house by himself all night. So they have a party and there's beer and there's card playing. And then um, ghost stuff starts happening. Um, One of the people who's at the party is a medium. It's They try very hard to make this movie, The Haunting. They fail miserably, but they try very hard. So, if you've seen The Haunting, you'll recognize sort of the makeup of the group. Also, funnily enough, if you've seen The House on Haunted Hill, you'll recognize this too. Um, is it, I, I like to say that this movie is basically House on Haunted Hill if it was made by Herc Harvey, the guy who made Carnival of Souls. Um, we can we'll get into this in a bit, but I like this there's a lot of carnival of souls in here unintentionally, but it is there. Um, and yeah. And then the haunting starts and it turns out there is actually a mystery with this house and they have to solve the mystery. And actually on that note, there is some Scooby-Doo in here too.
6: And Scooby-Doo well, it it beats Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo came out in 69. So it was, at least they didn't steal from Scooby. (laughs)
7: But it has that vibe. It does have that vibe.
6: Yes, it does. It'd be great if the fifth character was a dog. Then we could really just say it was like totally going for it.
7: Right. Yeah. And it probably would have made the movie better.
6: As long as the dog doesn't die in a movie, it always makes a movie better.
7: (laughs) I seriously doubt they had the budget to kill the dog in this movie.
6: It would have been done off screen.
7: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs)
6: But uh, so it was, it was interesting to watch early on in the movie. They had, um, Hank, the character, when he's talking about, he's going to do the thing overnight and he's going to talk to somebody more about the history of the area. And he's talking to, I believe the character is Lucy, Elise Baker. I think that's her name. Elise yeah. or ba- Elsie Baker. And I think it's Elsie, Elsie, Elsie Baker. And I looked her up because it was one of the few things on Wikipedia or on TV, where you know, Wikipedia where you can actually click and see somebody there is a link to go to another page. And if I remember correctly, she was born in 1883, starred in a whole was in a whole bunch of silent movies and all these I are mean, like a, a huge photography. And this was filmed, like it came out in nineteen sixty eight. It's hard to tell exactly when it was filmed, you know, because it could have been filmed a year prior, six years prior, who knows? Yeah. Um, when it comes out, but still, she was a woman that was up there in age, and she did a great job. I thought she was one of the best. She had she was only in one scene, but I really liked that character, you know, right. grounding the movie a lot. And I don't know what what did you? I mean, she also looked a lot younger than you would think because she would have been in her seven late seventies, early eighties, depending on when it was filmed. Um, you know that kind of stuff. So it's just you know she yeah. looked younger than that.
7: And I think this was her last movie too. Um, but she she looked like she was having fun. She was there to just I don't know if she was doing a favor for a friend or something, but she was just yeah I'm a witch. It's okay, people are saying that I don't mind. <laughs> it was just it was it was it was cute. It was fun. I really liked it.
6: She, yeah, she had fun with the role. And, and that's, I think she was the only character, the only actor that seemed to be having fun. Mm-hmm. And it was just in there and and not, not taking away anything from the movie. Like some people like, like they're doing a camp. She was just there. You can tell she was enjoying being on the screen. She enjoyed her role. She was, I mean, at acting chops out her wazoo, you know, for you talk about the decades yeah. and decades and decades. So she was a total pro and how many got her, like you said, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they had a, you know, but it could be just, he was like, oh, I think it was like you said, she saw the scripture. Oh, this will be just fun to do. I got nothing else going on. You know, I already baked the pies for church or whatever. Who knows? You know, just. <laughs> I'll do yeah. this for, I'll do this for an afternoon. Bring me, a, This. It, it probably was in her backyard. I mean, I could just imagine it being at her house. It
7: probably was. Yeah.
6: But that was, that was, it was like such a good way to start the movies. like you're with her and you're, you're starting to get your hopes up and, and get into this. But when it gets to the movie, you can just tell they were trying to stretch it. I don't know why they were trying to stretch it for 90 minutes. I mean, but now it seems like there seems to be different versions of the movie. But you would, you would see shots of the house and you would hear screaming and other noises. And all you're seeing is shots of the house or different locations. But you're not seeing anybody's reaction or anything going on. And I thought, but it could have cut this down at least a half hour almost. You know, if they were trying to get a feature-length film, mm-hmm. it made an hour and five minutes, and now would have, it would not have affected the movie one iota, <laughs> except moving, moving yeah. along.
7: But that's, that is actually evidence, the evidence number one, that Ruiz was a goth girl. Because the only reason, like, the entire opening sequence of the house with the people screaming and the doors slamming and things moving, that is somebody who is like, this this is what I want to do. I want to see this. This needs to happen more. This is what I enjoy. She's, she's, like, I feel a a connection to Louise because of this movie. Because I'm, like, the person... Who wants to go into the haunted house and not get scared, who just wants to wander around and like look at the scenery. She was that kind of person too. She just wants the 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 pretty and the dour and the dusty and the decay and just lingering on just that just the gothicness of it. That's why that's why I use the term gothic empty cowards, because it's just it's all atmosphere. This just she wanted some atmosphere and that's what she did.
6: Oh, she definitely does atmosphere, and and goes for it. Kind of reminds me, if listeners, if you if you like watching those TV shows where the people are staying the night or doing those things where they go to the haunted houses, and 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 they're and they're filming all these different things. And if 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 you were into that, this movie was like a precursor of all that. It's basically let, let, let's just film this. Now, obviously, it's not a real haunted house. They're doing you know, trickery and, you know, and and stuff like that with the doors and everything else, but it does have that same atmospheric thing. So if that's your vibe, then you're probably going to like this. There's a chance you're going to like this movie, but like Dominique said, it's not a good movie, but it has char, it has things in it that you you could see the groundwork was there and this could have been a good like our movie, I think, I, I think they would have fleshed some things out. They could have really, they really had some stuff here they could have worked with. And this could have been a nice hour and five minute hour and 10 minute movie. If they fleshed out those other parts, you still have your atmosphere. But if, if, if it would have been mm-hmm. written a little differently, I I think it, it could have been a, a really yeah. good movie. The
7: weird thing is, is when I watched this movie, the first movie that pops into my head is like the other half of the double feature is Carl Theodore Dreyer's Vampire from 1932. That's the one that's the retelling of Carmilla. Um, If if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's it's one of the tentpoles. It's one of the unknown tentpoles of the horror genre. But it is, in the same way, it's very slow. It's like very just atmosphere and people experiencing weird things with no real point. Um, it is, it is a much, 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 much better movie than the ghost of Haley house. I'm not trying to compare them in that way, any way, shape or form, but it's much more about the experience than about a plot. And I, and I don't, as
6: listeners know that have listened to me on Derek's show before. And if people have listened to my podcast, I have no problem with a slow burn movie, Um, especially if it's developing characters and setting things up that way. Um, But this one is like you said, because the the thing in it's not developing the characters in a better way, you know? And, And so that's the thing I think that's missing is we, we should have, we should be learning so much more about all five of the characters that are in the house so that mm-hmm. when things happen we really care and are starting to get more emotional into it and it also gives the actors a chance to change as the as the the house's hauntings go on and we feel more of it now this could be reflection on several things a, pro- a possible first time scriptwriter you know writer for, for a movie first time director the actors. This could have been. I think for some of them, this was their first movie. Might have been their only movie. You know, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's, it's so you're working with talent that might not be used to be working in front of a camera. But then again, they might have done ton of theater work. You know, it's it's hard to say um, where they're coming from because just because it's their first movie doesn't mean they didn't have a decade or two in theater and, um, and they could have brought things differently to it. So it, it, it's it's it's. It's one of those interesting films in that way, but I I do like I like this, and then it got used a lot when they were showing the close-ups of the people, especially the, the psychic, mm-hmm. and they're trying to show the reactions and going on. That was done well, but then it was overused. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this movie,
7: um this movie is what I would describe as five Um, When I use the term fives, what I mean is like in the way of Dr. Fives, it's like so dark and so screwed up. It actually becomes funny. So it goes so far in one direction. It becomes its opposite. And this is where this movie shares similarities with carnival of souls, because there is a point where it is intentionally or not so badly made. It actually becomes surreal like you said, the the points, they have those reaction shots and they tended to be against dark backgrounds where you couldn't see what was going on in the, behind them. But that like disassociated everybody from all their surroundings and from each other, which on some level actually kind of worked because it knocks it the viewer off filter. You don't, you can't connect. And because you can't connect, it puts you it makes you uneasy as a viewer. Not for the characters, but for yourself. Um, kind of, because it was used again in um, Silence of the Lambs. When Clarice and Hannibal are talking to each other, they are, the camera is facing them dead on, and it makes you really uncomfortable. Now again, there it's used a much better effect, but here we can see kind of those beginning inklings of, this is the thing that's affected. Similarly, you'll notice that a lot of the dialogue is not synced up properly, which was again used in Carnival of Souls. Um, and the main problem with this movie is the writing. Um, the, the mystery only pops up in like the last 20 minutes, and the hauntings that happen in the house don't line up with the the actual mystery. So what happens, I mean, we hear horses at one point, and spoiler alert, the end, the results of the mystery has nothing to do with horses. Um, so there was this sort of, this element of just throw it at the wall and see what sticks to the actual haunting, regardless of the mystery at the end. Um, I would kind of like to talk about how the mystery resolves itself so you might want to put a spoiler warning on it because that is honestly my only real big problem with this movie. Because I can forgive a lot of stuff if we make it pretty, but the resolution kind of bugged me That's, a little
6: bit. So, listeners, we're gonna at this point we're going into heavy, heavy spoiler territory. So you've been forewarned if you don't want to have. The ending spoiled for you, or maybe you do. Some people do. Some people like that. They like to know exactly everything, and then he still it doesn't matter. Everybody's different. I don't mind if a thing's spoiled for me watching it, but I know I always, I usually try to avoid spoiling an ending because not everybody's. Even though the movie came out at sixty-eight, not everybody's ever seen it. I never even heard of it till you brought it up. So it's uh, you know it's, it's, and that's just because there's so many movies out there. That's just the way I look at it. But it's, hey, it's like a new used car. It's new to me, even though it's been used. <laughs> so, exactly. I, I bought you enough time, listeners, to stop it if you needed to. But now, Dominique, you're unleashed.
7: <laughs> okay, I'm spoiling the ending. Okay, so it turns out, for some strange reason, one of the guys who showed us at the party was the guy who murdered the Hanley family. This, Yeah, we even in the movie, funnily enough, they address it like, why did he come? Nobody knows but he ends up confessing to it. And the thing is, the Hanleys were garbage. And they had been blackmailing this guy his entire life and systematically destroying his life for like 40 years. But, it's the Hanleys who need help. And the Hanleys who we have to recover the bodies and bury them. And then the guy who killed them, even though they had like spent his entire life destroying him, ends up dying in retribution, which is like the most, horribly amoral thing ever. It, it I was that anybody.
6: Well, I can understand the one guy who owned the house. Cause his whole thing of having his friend stay there so he could sell the house. And, um, if I remember yeah. right. So I can see his, he's got skin in the game. He's like, come on, let's get these bodies buried. But yet he's hesitant to do it. It's the Hank character. that's it's like, let's just finish the job, get the haunting done with, put these spirits to rest. And they have a deadline. They got to do it by dawn and, you know, and that kind of stuff. So they, they and they got to find the heads and the bodies because they're separated. Of course, <laughs> build coffins, of course, then, yeah. which they do all screen. You hear it, but you don't see, <laughs> you just see the finished products. And, and then,
7: which is very nice of them, by the way, they really didn't need to do that.
6: That was nice. And it was, it was good craftsmanship too, considering the, you know, they're probably doing it like three in the morning, you know, it not, was, yeah. and they had a lot of beer. So, I mean, so yeah. Um, and then, you
7: know,
6: and then they take it and they find, of course, like you said, the, uh, the, the killer of them already in the open grave, bitch they tell them it's an open grave. You'll be going to, it's at the lot where you don't. Now, they've been dead for years. Who's going to have... Like, what graveyard's going to leave an open graveyard? But then again, it was the spirits that opened the... grave. I don't know. Just go yeah, with the yeah. flow. It's a ghost movie. You know, <laughs> with a ghost movie, if you try exactly. to put logic to it, it's just going to kill... You're going to blow your brain like in scanners. You know, don't do it.
7: <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
6: But, yeah, but, so that that didn't bother me as much as I think it bothered you. Because I had a feeling... The guy who was the killer, when he came down, when the, everybody went to bed, two people came down the stairs. And he came down, and you could tell he was, like, looking at something. Like, he wanted to look in this box to see what was in there, which we find out later on was one of the heads. and um, Which yeah. I think he would have known because he put it in there. I don't know, you know, but I guess because it, it popped up there, he wanted to make sure, is that the head? Is that the thing? I got to make sure I hide this. And then the the psychic comes down, and he – hides but he's like the way he's doing it and going out it's almost like he's been to this house before so i was right away thinking okay he's up to no good i mean that's it's shown very early on he is up to no good that's why he's there because he's way older than everybody else that's there why is he there it ain't going to be anything good and why the psychic came down it's never explained she walks into the kitchen and then she goes back up to bed we find that out because we see her back in the bed later on. You know, it's it's, it's just it's never really explained. You know, it's just okay. Yeah. She went back there. Uh, maybe she had a premonition. She is a psychic, but who knows? Or a medium, and, and that kind of stuff. so it's <laughs> yeah. But I, I like the séance. I thought the séance was done well.
7: Yeah, the séance was my favorite scene because um, yeah, that was that was where all the the scene building and the gothicness kind of came to a head. I also I really like the character of Gabby the Medium and just the way she interacted with the ghost. She was like the ghost Manny. Like you're being obnoxious. Stop it. Bring in this other person. I want to talk to this other person. I just I, I love that character.
6: Yeah, Gabby. Gabby was my favorite character of the five that was there. Mm-hmm. And it, it it also with the Sam being a Dark Shadows fan myself, you know. There's always and, and it was like every like every certain every month there seemed to be a seance, you know, for some reason in the dark shadows world. There's a, a There's always a reason for a thing. Yes. Well, just the house itself <laughs> would be a reason for it. And, and so, but, but I, but I like, I like how she did it and she was just like doing these different things and like, and, and, and her, um, what is it? Her ghost escort or whatever. Um, the one that you normally help her find things takes off running. Yeah. And that's this like, and so I thought that was well-written and I thought that was well acted and it built up suspense mm-hmm. and it's all things you can't see because it's the spirit world. And I thought that part was done well. And it, it, for something with a low, low budget, you know, it's, it's, it's always a good thing to do. You know, you don't have to always show it. Your imagination will always make things much worse. And I I could, through her reactions and actions, I could picture, the scene in my head,
7: yeah. And again, they use they use the strategic black background because you couldn't see anything except the table and the people. Um, And that was when they started doing the extreme close ups. like she's talking to the ghost and they're showing like the close ups of her eyes. And that I thought was really effective. I really liked that.
6: Yeah that that was that was that was the yeah I agree with you. that's by far the best scene. And it's, uh, it's good. And that's, I think it's not long after that's when they all try to leave and they find out all the cars don't work. Um, yeah. It's the batteries are all dead, which I thought was weird because the one guy didn't have the keys. That's why he couldn't leave. Cause he wasn't going to stay tonight. but yet he had the keys to try in the Ferrari. Yeah. Then I'm like, Oh, I guess, you know, maybe the ghost moved them. <laughs> I don't
7: know. No, Oh, you missed it because the, the skeptic guy stole them. So he couldn't leave. Oh, really? Because they're walking out to the car. They're walking out to the car and the Hank, the skeptic, pulls it out of his pocket and, and hands him to the guy and they give each other this look like he sucks. And then they go outside.
6: Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go rewatch it to find out for sure. i am taking your word for it.
7: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he stole him on purpose, so the guy would have to stay. That is two things.
6: That that actually moves the movie up a little bit for me because that is a thing the two buddies would do on each other. You know, two guys would be like, you know, they're doing a the bet. I'm going to take his key so he can't leave too. You know, I, I, that, yeah. that that is something I would do to a buddy of mine. I'm sure you would do too if you are in the same thing. You'd just <laughs> like, yeah, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. I don't know what happened to those keys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And that guy really must be dumb not to think his buddy didn't have them. You know, because. Come on, you—you you, you got those guys knew each oh. other. That should have been the first person you would think.
7: <laughs> they actually blamed the maid. Oh, I it know they blamed the
6: maid. The maid. Yeah, because the one that he said put yeah. it yeah. on the table, and they like, oh, the maid took it." But still, I would have been thinking before he got to the maid when he's like, <laughs> "Dude," and oh, that was—you talk about dialogue. Oh, and the What? They were, they, they, no, talk, no, you, no, no, you talk about dialogue being poorly written when the, when he's asking about the keys. Yeah, and it goes around the table. <laughs> I didn't take the keys. And they go to the other character. Did you take the keys? No, I don't have the keys. Yeah. Did you take the keys? I don't have the keys. Did you take the keys? I was like, What is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
7: And they said everybody's name. Hank, I don't have the keys. Sheila, do you have the keys? No, she I don't have the keys. Morgan, do you have the keys? Yeah, like like it was a kindergarten name game
6: i was just I was, my eyes were rolling at that because i was like i was like oh my god they're gonna go for everybody <laughs> as soon as they got to the sec like after the second person when she turned it's like they're gonna do all the p all four are gonna do it i was like oh my lord <laughs> they, they yep. if you're gonna go go all the way
7: <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i also watch a lot of dark shadows and everybody is constantly saying each other's name on that show too so it didn't bother me that much
6: i didn't bother me that they said the names it was just instead of just saying like one answer, does anybody have the keys? And they all go, no, 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 no. They had to each get individually questioned, you know, by the other person, yeah. you know, as it as it went around the group. <laughs> That's the part that I thought was just like, Oh my God, you're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> you are padding the movie an extra minute just to have that. You're just like, Oh, I got to write some dialogue. Get to give them something to say. Yeah. I'm like, Nope, nobody would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Except for maybe.
7: Unless they were really drunk by that point.
6: Except kindergartners. Kindergartners would be the only ones that would really do that.
7: Yeah, exactly.
6: (laughs) So it is a funny moment, but I think unintentionally funny.
7: Unfortunately, (laughs) yes.
6: But but obviously, you know a lot about this film. What what, what else? What other tidbits do you know? Because you knew about the different versions and things like that. There's not Um, much I could find online.
7: There was actually, it was a classic Monsters board, I think, one of the the film discussion boards. There was actually a small threat of people trying to figure this movie out. And they determined, because the lore is that the movie was shot in small town, Texas. Um, It wasn't. Um, The people who were on the board actually identified it as uh, Southern California because they were like, oh, I grew up next to that place, and that car dealership was there when I was a kid, and this is on whatever boulevard. So they determined um, that it it was shot in California. Um, As you mentioned earlier, most of the people in it had theater careers. You can trace their theater careers, um, but no film careers afterwards. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) You called that. (laughs) Um, And there's this weird little news article that popped up there that I think is hilarious talking about a Halloween party that the Durkins had at their house. And apparently they were such huge horror nerds that for this party they actually had a replica of Beulah, the pickle monster from It Conquered the World, built a full-size one and put in their front yard. So again, these are my people and I love them. Um, But yeah, and they think based on because apparently there's like some of the shots that Hank, like in the beginning, there's a montage of Hank approaching people and trying to like get him to come to the house with them. But they judge from the signs in the windows and everything that they think that the movie was actually shot in like between 64 and 66. And then it was quote unquote released in 68. But there's no evidence that it was ever shown anywhere until the mid-70s when it appeared on TV. And there's no evidence it had a theatrical release.
6: So I was right about 68, but it being done earlier. Boy, I'm feeling feeling pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Even a a blind squirrel finds a nut on occasion, and I found two.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, good job.
6: Well, you know, it's it, but it also goes back to when you do, when you do enough of these films, and you and you and you look at them, especially independent films, it, a lot of them have that weird production thing where it's, it takes forever, and it still happens today, where a film could, be it comes out this year, but it was filmed in twenty twenty one or twenty nineteen, but it just took a while for editing or other things, the, the money to come through to get it, or they're getting a product, they're getting a distribution deal. You never know. There's so many factors to get a movie out there.
7: Well, Edward's Night of the Ghoul, that took, what, 30 years? Because it was sitting in somebody's basement? Um, I know there's a couple episodes in Mystery Science Theater where they premiered the movie. It sat in a, a, a warehouse somewhere, and it was never released, and then it just popped up as part of a bunch of DVDs they ended up with, and they showed it. So, it happened all the time.
6: That that's the beauty of it all, and that's why I always find people think like when they, it's like oh nineteen sixty eight, so it must have been filmed in sixty seven or sixty eight. It's like no, that's necessarily, and and like yeah, you said, sometimes you know, a lot of times you can tell from the backgrounds, but of course, if it's a period piece movie, then you're really in trouble because now they're you know it's harder to guess when they're trying to show something in an early like in the thirties or the forties and it was filmed in the sixties or seventies, and then you're thinking okay you can't use the backgrounds anymore because they're, they're trying to make them older. So now you're stuck with um, yeah. production notes and things like that to try to piece these things together mm-hmm. with an independent movie. Good luck.
7: Yeah. <laughs> a exactly. low budget
6: independent movie. I'm meaning, you know, it's good luck mm-hmm. with that stuff. Exactly. But no, there, there was, it, there was a lot of things I enjoyed. Now the rendition I saw as you, as we, as I said earlier, had weird, sound effects coming, and you already explained that for no apparent reason. I'm just saying this again for listeners. So if you go to watch this movie, it, it is just – I think it was a – for first I thought it was an explosion sound, like a small explosion going off or an eruption. And then I figured it must be the thunder, you know, because there's supposed to be a lightning storm going on. But it was just weird because yeah. they were showing – it like. All the dude, there was it was used way too much. So you're saying that got added in by somebody else down the road, and whoever did that somebody. should be flogged.
7: <laughs> oh, I agree. And the cricket sounds, and every time they were in the house, really, and they go outside and they don't use the cricket sounds like again, it's that it's that it's that ironic watcher vibe.
6: Yeah, it's but it's, I can see where people could really you know, go down, you know, get really down on this movie, and like, and we're both in a great, it Listen, it's not a good movie at all. It's but there are there are like I said to me, there are parts that are worth seeing that have some charm with it. I think it's some if you really like the atmosphere then go for the whole thing if you want to get to the the, the, the the big pieces of it, you can, you can use that little fast, like skip ahead 10 second button and move things along just a little quicker to get through parts, to get to um, the se- the seance and the other stuff and things like that. You know, so there, yeah. there, are, there are, there are some bones there. This would be one I'd be interested to see redone with a, with a, a good script. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. And wouldn't it be well. Although, um, honestly, it,
7: it has been done with this but
6: just, it's the haunting. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like this particular film. I think they, and they could they could work it a couple of ways. They could work it in a way where where the killer is still in the movie, but he's the, like, but House on the Haunted Hill style, where he's the one with a, with another person that we don't see till later on who's doing the hijinks to get people scared because the money is still in the house and they didn't, they they came back because they, they, they couldn't get into the house before because the other guy owns it or whatever. And now they're able to get in and they want to scare them out so they can go back to trying to find the money. Um, so or some kind mm-hmm. of rationale along those lines and you could make it along those, that principle, or you could just take that part all out and go full supernatural,
7: which is what I would do. Because in my head, the better version has Morgan, the murderer, basically as the caretaker of the house. But like he's dead, and he doesn't realize it, and that's why he can't ever leave the house. That 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 was where my mind went with it.
6: Yeah, and
7: also- yeah. Like as much as I love William Castle, the Scooby-Doo ending bugs me. I want both
6: give me go. Yeah. I, I like both versions. I, I, I like the haunting and I like the house on the haunted hill. I, I mean, I, you know, I like where it goes supernatural. And I also don't mind it where it's um man-made so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I can go either way, but you know, but the house on the haunted hill is Vincent price and Richard long. I mean, you, know, you can't really go wrong <laughs> with those guys. Yeah. yeah. I'm not dissing
7: house on haunted hill. I love it. But
6: Yeah, I understand where you're going, you know, and it it does make it nice if they want the full thing uh, the the haunted. But the one thing about the ghost of Hanley House, I think it was Lucy that was implied, because she was talking about the history of the house. And she was making it sound like there was other fatalities or or deaths, prior. like the house was already haunted. And then the Hanleys moved in, Mm -hmm. and they were there for a while, but then they the story was as they all ran away, they sold their things and then they, they, they ran off mad and nobody knows what happened to them. And other people have tried to stay in the house mm-hmm. and they went crazy, um, that that could make it all the way through one committed suicide and one did this or that, uh, to have the killer, the killings be when the Hanley's were there kind of takes away from the stuff earlier. So it's almost like they needed another spirit thing. I think a wrap-up thing would have been they thought they were done. They come back in thinking it's all I'm no longer haunted, but then the original ghosts, prior to the Hanleys, were there, and then you ended on that note
7: mm-hmm.
6: where they come back thinking it's free, and then they realize, oh no, the Hanleys were keeping this other thing at bay, and they wanted them to help them get out of there because they were getting tormented dang, I think I could flesh oh, this I out like the 90 that. minutes with like that that on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: No, I like that. Yeah. Because for me, the writing is a little weird, and I can't really tell if the, the haunting started with the Hanley's or if it was before. For me, it just it wasn't clear because of the way it was written. Because it sounded really long, but it, there's also hints that it just didn't start before that. But that would explain why the haunting's just so random.
6: And also you get town gossip. So things are going to get stretched and changed. You know, people sharing stories, the old telephone game and, and and things can get altered around. So it could be like, Oh, and also the the killers may be throwing out these extra backstories to different townspeople to make it sound like, Oh, that's Mm -hmm. the reason they left all that stuff before. Never explained. we're, We're, but I'm just thinking, what if it was all real? And then can you imagine like the first 45, 50 minutes of the movie is the stuff we saw, Truncated in some ways, and then the next 20 minutes is when they come back, and then they're trapped. The four to come back are then trapped in with the main spirit.
7: Yeah. And then they have to do the big bad.
6: Yes. The big boss battle.
7: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I like that. That's good.
6: Well, you know, every, like I said, some, I'm on a roll tonight. Maybe it's because maybe it's because I'm sleeping. <laughs>
5: <sweetener.
6: laughs> <laughs> you know, your, your creative brain hits a certain spot. Where, you know, it's, it's like you know, it's, you hit a certain time. You're like, oh man, this is when you got to write everything down. Like it, it, all the good stuff is flowing from your brain, and that kind of thing.
7: Right. Yeah.
6: yeah. <laughs> and all creative types know when that creativity, that creative part hits you, you just got to go for it. And, but no,
7: I think I think exactly.
6: so. Like I said, there's there's good bones that could be used, and I think with that added little structure mm-hmm. to stuff you talked about, and we had that little part in there, we got an hour and twenty minute, hour and a half movie that actually I think could sell today.
7: <laughs> yeah. Give it to Guillermo del Toro. He can,
6: he'll handle it. Listeners, you can't see this. I'm just <laughs> bowing down to Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Del Toro. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's he's just a genius. Sheer genius. Yeah. Not not the not the wily e. coyote type of sheer genius, but a real sheer genius. <laughs> I'm more of the yeah. wily e. coyote type of sheer genius. I come up with a great plan and the and it all goes to kaput. <laughs> and then the
7: anvil falls
6: on your head, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, something like that. It it never works that well for me. <laughs> but yet I still keep buying products from Acme, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, any other tidbits that you have to share about the movie? Because I, I've, I've pretty much I can't think of anything else to, to, to add on to it from my point of view.
7: Um, really, this is there. This is a horror movie for a certain type of person. Um, people like because this is one of those ones. I think as more people discover it, people will like it. It is, it's very, it's just very slow burn. It's very pretty. It's one of those movies that like you would see shown on the wall of a bar at Halloween with no sound or anything while, you know, Bauhaus is playing and people are dancing. It's one of those kind of movies. So if you are super heavy into the gothic and you really like that atmosphere, this is, this movie is just, it's wonderful, and you will enjoy it. If you expect a movie where things happen and things make sense, just steer clear. You're not going to like
6: it. this it could be a movie you could put on as background when you're having a Halloween party, and you're just having a party yeah. at your house, and people can look at it. And you've got the atmospheric images going along and that kind of stuff, and uh, I think I think that could work that way.
0: Yeah, I can see. Oh, absolutely. It.
6: All right, I mean, I want to thank you for picking the movie. I mean, I never would have saw it otherwise. Um, part of me, when I was first, like I said, when I was first watching, it, was not happy with you. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm just being, being honest, but then, but then, it I warmed up to it because it got to the, it got to the the stuff I like, you know, um, the, the séance. Because I liked the Lucy part. That was early, and then after that, there was a there was a long spell before Gabby comes into the play, and, uh, and once yeah. she, then once her and, and Sheila does a good job too. It, it's, it's the guys are really just, I don't know. They're just there. They really don't do much for me. It's, it's really the, the three female characters, Lucy. Oh, I really wish to God Lucy could have been in one of the five or the six person in this movie. <laughs> that would have been
7: yeah a lot better.
6: Yeah. But at her age, I could see why they didn't do it, but it was just, that would that would have elevated the movie. Significantly. <laughs>
7: yeah. But no, I I Well, it. you can blame Derek. You can blame Derek for all this because he's the one who always lets me do the weird movies. I made him fit through the Mace of Lost Women. I made him fit through the creeping terror. And actually the fact that I fell in love with this movie is his fault. Because the first time I saw this was on the Monster Kid radio stream that he did on Saturdays. He showed this and I fell in love with it. And everybody watching it with us thought I was crazy. And I am crazy but
6: I stick by this one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So when I, when I messaged Derek that we were doing this movie, he didn't warn me, Derek, I'm a little cross with you now. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you've seen this movie before and he you did, you, know, you, you, you could have gave a homeboy a heads up and said, Hey Steve, just, just to let you know. It starts off. slew. <laughs> <laughs> But no, no more. But then again, it's, it's there is a joy about watching a film where you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, the only the only thing I knew there was going to be ghosts and it involved the Hanley House. Going in, that's all I knew. And you know, sometimes that's you know that's it's it's the joy of finding out what the picture is going to bring to you. And this is one. Mm-hmm. I, if you're going to watch it, listeners, don't watch it when you're sleepy. You know, because you it, it it you'll never make it through the beginning. You know, you got to watch it. You got to be able to. You know, go into it when you're alert.
7: Yes. And it doesn't hurt to maybe have something to do. I so sometimes while I'm watching a movie.
6: Yeah. So this, this is a movie one in the background and you know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So go for it. Um, it's, it's, it's free on Tubi for crying out loud. It's on YouTube or Tubi. You don't have to pay a dang thing to watch it. So give it a shot you know, that kind of stuff. And like, like I said, for some reason, if the atmospheric part in the beginning is not working for you, just, just move it up to the next, you know, move it up a little bit and get to the spots that we were talking about that we enjoyed. And then from that point on, you're not going to, trust me, you're not going to miss anything plot wise. <laughs> if you get up to the Honestly,
7: stands. the best thing, the best thing to do if you start to get bored, just fast forward it until you see a close up of Sheila looking scared and then pause it and start watching.
6: Or unpause it, yeah. <laughs> or just leave it paused until Jill's scared face. <laughs>
7: yeah.
6: <laughs> oh, but but thank you again. Thank you for helping me out with um getting Derek another episode so he can get the stuff taken care of in the move and those kind of things. And Derek, again, congratulations on the wedding. And I hope everything's going well with the move. Never lift with your legs, not off your back, and all that fun stuff. <laughs>
7: Yes, thank you for having me. It was fun.
0: We love you, Derek and Beth. Okay, once again, big thanks to Steve, Dominique, Mark, and Kenny for making this episode of Monster Kid Radio happen. Wouldn't have happened without them. Really, I am so grateful for all the hard work that they've done in keeping Monster Kid Radio alive, really. They've kept this Frankenstein monster of mine moving, especially Steve, man, just God. Doing that. And well, I can't say that because i it sounds like I don't appreciate Mark and Kenny and what they do. And man, I really love what they do. And all the guests that have come in, all the guests that have worked with Steve and all of this. I just, I appreciate everything. Okay, let's talk about monsterkidradio.net. That's where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Links to everything you've heard here in the episode in the show notes. Go check that out. And pay attention there because that's where the announcement about the next episode of Monster Kid Radio will be i feel like i've done a pretty good job with the help of a lot of folks in keeping monster kid radio going consistently for can you believe this almost 10 years 10 years i i am blown away that that's happened and uh you know i think a 10-year run is a pretty good run we're probably going to take a break for about a week. Now, I know that we said we were going to turn May into monos or May-Nos month and talk about nothing but monos, the hands of fate, and that's still going to happen. I just am at a point now where we're trying to get settled in at the house, and it's a challenge, you know, to get all of my stuff in there, and I've got a lot of stuff, unfortunately. And getting the computer set up and getting the new internet set up, well, getting me connected to the existing internet and just making sure all that's working okay. It's a process. But there will be a future episode of Monster Kid Radio in the very near future. In fact, you're going to hear Steve Turek again because he's never seen Manos the... Manos? Manos? He's never seen The Hands of Fate. So he's going to watch that. We're going to get together. We're going to talk about it. Then Beth is going to watch Manos, The Hands of Fate. She's never seen it. And then we're going to get together. We're going to talk about it. And then... Chris McMillan, who has seen Monos the Hands of Fate repeatedly, is going to come on the show, and then we're going to talk about that as well. I don't know if this is going to bleed into June or not, but we're going to have three episodes of Monos the Hands of Fate coming up in the very near future. I'm super excited for Steve and for Beth, you know, first-time viewings for them. And then Chris and I have a very, very big announcement coming up regarding something monos flavored which, now I wonder, what would a monos flavored potato chip or snack taste like? You know what? Let me know what you think. What would something flavored monos flavored, you know, be? But that made no sense. What would a monos flavored potato chip or snack taste like? Email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com and let me know. Or call and leave us a voicemail. You can always call and do that. Our voicemail line is uh, 360-524-2484. Of course, you can find that over on our website at monsterkidradio.net. I have a little bit more packing and moving to do, so I need to wrap this up. Listeners, thank you so much. Uh, Monster Kid Radio listeners are the best podcast listeners in the world because so many of you have had my back, have supported me through the move, have congratulated us for the wedding and everything else. I just, I appreciate all of you so freaking much. It's amazing that this family has kind of rallied around me. And I, I just, I'm humbled. and I appreciate all of you. Now, my name is Sarah Kim Cook. Let's remind you that Monster Kid Radio Radio's registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license at, I'm out of here until probably sometime next week. Fingers and tentacles crossed. Ciao.